welcome back. Today, finally, we are running through where all of the candidates stand on mass incarceration and their plans to address it as president. Uh, first, I did want to mention that there are a few candidates that have dropped out the race. I'm not sure if we mention, mentioned uh, Gillibrand and de Blasio already or not, but uh, it's been a little bit since those people have been out. But in case you did not know, those people are out of the race um, as well as Tim Ryan as of yesterday. So got a few people crossed off the list. Dropping uh, like flies. Get out of here. Yep. Hoping for some more soon. Um, also, if you have not already, I really recommend going back and listen to our two background episodes on this issue. We kind of go through the history and some problems and solutions and uh, talk about a lot of different terms that we will also repeat today but not explain. So if you find yourself confused during this episode and you haven't listened to those, pause, go back. That will be helpful to you. Um, that's really all though. Are you all ready right. to yeah, ready get to into this shit? All right. Uh, we're gonna, like normal, we got our little bowl with our little names. So we're gonna draw and uh, First off, we got Tulsi Gabbard. All right. Let me find this lady. All right, Tulsi Gabbard, she's a pretty staunch advocate for, uh, like, criminal justice reform in general, saying that it can help achieve lower crime rates, greater productivity, reduced cost, improved mental health, and many other positive outcomes. She has denounced the failed war on drugs. She's noted that it left generations of people ill-equipped to move on with their lives after having done their time. Mm -hmm. um, she's spoken about the urgent need for legislation to reduce recidivism, address the lack of transition from prison life to freedom, reduce the economic impact of billions a year spent on incarceration. She um, wants to fight against the privatization of prisons. Off, um, she wants to fight corporations profiting off of incarceration. She says it's costly, dangerous, and inhumane. I agree, but what are what her plans? Her website didn't really have much of a plan. It just like had a kind of a list of the statement she's made about it so like interviews okay. or her being like this is bad like it had yeah. just links to different quotes or just quotes and it was kind of like one of those if you ever go look at like on the issues uh -huh. and it'll just list like their statements they've made about it that's kind of what her like website looked like which is like here's what she said it's like uh just defining the problems but yes. not really offering a lot yes of and like a, an opinion on them but not a not a plan okay like a, this is wrong and I think we should do something about it. I think that's pretty typical for her. Yeah. yeah so nothing super specific. Um, she did call for the federal decriminalization of weed. She's introduced some legislation in the House to do that. Um, and to eliminate key barriers to developing an industrial hemp industry to create more jobs and provide economic opportunity. Cool. Um, she calls for sentencing reform. She is a co-sponsor of the Safe Justice Act. And since that's going to get brought up a little bit. Let me just give you a little briefing on that. The Safe Justice Act is aimed at reducing recidivism, concentrating prison space on, like, violent and career criminals instead of just one time or, you uh -huh. know, just small misdemeanors and stuff like that. Um, increase the use of evidence-based alternatives to incarceration, curtail over-criminalization, reduce crime and save money, and, like, align the federal prison system with science about what actually works to reform criminal behavior. Just Word. get more efficient. I think the First Step Act did a lot of the things that are in that bill yeah. already, so it might need to be kind of revised. But, yeah. yeah. So she's a co-sponsor of that act and, to, and the Sentencing Reform Act, which reduces certain mandatory minimums for nonviolent drug offenders and gives judges more discretion. Um, she emphasizes a need to improve the juvenile justice system, but again, that's just like 
to emphasize a need it's just to say like yeah and not really like add to it exactly Um, and she thinks that we should empower human trafficking survivors instead of criminalizing them but that's about all i could find in terms of like plan just a lot of opinions okay tulsi gabbard tulsi gabbard everybody (laughs) who is next let's see julian castro i believe that's me as well okay um like a little quote that he said he's said that we have a national crisis and public safety on our hands in our criminal justice system and that if elected president he would treat this as the crisis that it is demanding of a federal response um he calls for a complete transformation of our current bail system he spoke against our public defender system and how it clearly discriminates against those who live in poverty and cannot afford adequate representation and legal counsel and he Mm -hmm. is pro black lives matter cool his plan um i have a whole bunch here and i'm going to kind of skim a lot of the bullet points so i'm not just like reading at you but you can definitely he does have an in-depth plan so if you'd like to hear more about it you can look it up on his website he wants to end the over aggression of policing and combat racially discriminatory uh policing he wants to restrict the use of deadly force unless there's an imminent threat and just adopt um technological and organizational approaches like body cams uh work to end the school to prison pipeline and reform student discipline uh, he wants to establish responsibility and accountability of officers, um, establish oversight programs, mm-hmm. um, require officers to identify themselves, issue a verbal warning, and give the suspect a reasonable amount of time to comply before any use of force. Love it. Yep. Um, and racial profiling via, like, stop and frisk policies. Don't mm-hmm. do those anymore. Um Restrict policing actions that can cause collateral damage, like shooting at moving vehicles. It's pretty in-depth stuff there's like cool things i didn't even think about that he thought of and he wants to um establish a public national database that tracks all police officers decertified in any state or locality okay um he wants to collect aggregate or disaggregated data on all detention stops frisks searches summons and arrests he just really wants to organize he wants to like document make things efficient and Mm -hmm. less racist if not completely not racist at all okay um, investigate everything uh, in a in a decent amount of time. Give people the answers they need if someone they love has been wronged by a police department. Right. And he wants to mend the relationship between community members and law enforcement. Demilitarize the police. Um, deprioritize enforcement of minor inf- minor offenses. Ensure that law enforcement officers re- receive high quality mental health and trauma support services following any use of a weapon. Word. Invest in programs that address the root causes of these issues and find alternatives to criminal justice interventions. Um, He wants to mandate community-led trainings for police departments. Um, Another quote, he said, how many of these videos do we have to watch to understand that even though we have some great police officers, this is not a case of bad apples. The system is broken. Let's fix it. I'm proud that I'm the only candidate so far that's put forward legislation that would greatly reform our policing system in America and make sure that no matter what the color of your skin is, you're treated the same. Great. That's about it. He has a pretty in-depth policy. I really skimmed over a lot of bullet points, but they cover a lot of the problems that we talked about, like, Mm -hmm. specifically, and addresses them. So he does... I really like his criminal justice plan. Awesome. Leon Castro. There you go. Who is next? Kamala Harris. All right. This is a uh, big one. Let's see. Let's hear it. Here she is. Okay. 
she talks a lot about being smart on crime. Like, that's her whole shtick on criminal justice reform and uh, getting a better return on investment in corrections, kind of like I had mentioned in the last episode that we're wasting money. Yeah, and, like, output and stuff like that. Exactly. She said, quote, if you want to deal with an epidemic, crime, or health, the smartest and most effective and cheapest way to deal with it is prevention first. If you're dealing with it in the emergency room or in the prison system, it is too late and it is too expensive. We have to be smart on crime. So, pretty uh, sensible. Mm -hmm. Um, On police accountability, she said, quote, It's a false choice to suggest that you must either be for the police or for police accountability. I am for both. And I agree with that so much. I think, like, each side just wants to, like, demonize the other. And I'm like, we have... We're all fucking human beings. Like, can we just... Uh, take an empathetic approach to this um she also says that we need to have a conversation about whether or not prisoners should be able to vote while in prison but she does definitely support full restoration of voting rights upon release so she's like we we should have that debate but she's not come forward to say people should be able to vote in prison i like that she's even entertaining a talk about it though because some people will not (laughs) exactly um her on her website, she has some plans, but they're a lot more, like, conceptual than they are, like, detailed policy proposals. Mm-hmm. But she says that as president, she will renew and expand pattern and practice investigations, enforce consent decrees. Um, she would also support legislation to end racial profiling, although she didn't explain how or what legislation. She supports legalizing cannabis, and she said we should reform the sentencing laws. Also didn't say how to reform them. She just, we, they're wrong. We got to inform yeah. reform them. Um, supports ending private prisons and um, pushing states to prioritize treatment and rehabilitation instead of prison for drug offenses, although she, again, did not say how. Um, she supports expunging records of marijuana offenses and increasing investments in reentry support and job training programs. And she said she will use executive action to ban the Vox. So. Oh, yeah. She said, let me get that out of here. <laughs> yes. So I can do that all by myself. Um, however, she does have a quite controversial record as district attorney from 2004 to 2011 and then later as attorney general of California from 2011 to 2017. Um Some people think that her record is really contradictory and problematic and that she should have done a whole lot more to push for progressive policies. I know Madison is one of those people. Mm -hmm. Um, In her 2009 book, she called herself a top cop and that liberals should move beyond biases against law enforcement. Um, I don't know. I like, I know like that you're cringing and you're making a face, but like, I agree with that. I don't think that like law enforcement, like they're all just like bad and broken and stuff like I think it's a a system and that like people are broken and some people are police officers yeah I don't know I (sighs) I think what frustrates me like it's not like every single cop wakes up every day and it's like how can I just fuck someone's life up for good like I don't see that at all but I feel like a lot of the system perpetuates I don't know just kind of handling people's lives like they're meaningless and like like it's a case and some paperwork and then you do your job and it's just your job and it's a super big lack of empathy within the police force so I get like why people have a lot of hostility towards law enforcement and she wants people to be more empathetic with it but it's like we haven't made the big changes we need yet to be like okay we've made these changes now I need y'all to like give them a chance it's like we haven't made big changes yet and people want people who have been negatively affected by law enforcement to, like, give them a chance before we've seen 
any healing. I get what you're saying, but it's also like, are we blaming police officers or are we blaming the broken laws and I'd systems? Say both. Like, there's like I've met like the the system inherently is fucked up as I have come to that conclusion. Like especially within the last couple episodes we've done, I, it's, I agree. Yeah, I don't think it's like a mishandling. I think it's set up to work the way that it does, and that's super unfortunate. But then there's also like in my even super white and like sheltered experience there's just been like a lot of police officers on sort of power trips or that distance themselves from the harm that they're doing or even if they see themselves as a good cop would quickly silent themselves like to look out for a bad cop friend Mm -hmm. and I just don't like a lot of the toxic mentality and I haven't even really been one of the people personally just completely destroyed or affected by a police department and I can only imagine how much more anger and how much less like patience and compassion I would have if they had taken away a member of my family with like no explanation so yeah totally I don't know I could get looking for empathy but I am one of those people that I'm like I'm not really feeling like giving it to law enforcement just yet because I don't even feel like the people who have been hurt by law enforcement have been hurt anywhere near enough I yeah I think we both like fully agree on that I just I worry about like demonizing a whole group of people where most of which got that job because they wanted to do something good and they wanted to protect people and help people and are like actively trying to do that even if they've not quite had adequate training or the laws I feel like that's why I don't know I couldn't even like faithfully say that most cops got that job to be good but I've also just since I was young like been pretty aware to like the way that cops can mishandle their positions of power so I've been way too heavily exposed to that and gone out of my way to kind of learn more about it so that is more of what I see but it unfortunately like like I said I'm very white and very sheltered Mm. and I've been exposed to a lot of the ugliness of it and that's like not even the half of it so I don't know (sighs) I yeah I I think I agree in, like, principle. I just... And just personal experience with a lot of the cops that I've met who, like, not even on their job. Like, I just will know someone, like, maybe through a family friend or something. But, like, just personally, this is why, like, I feel so biased about it. But a lot of the cops I've met are not good people and say really shitty things. And then I get scared by the fact that they're in law enforcement. And I'm like, damn, you're out here, like, all those prejudices. And then you just go out on the street with it. I just feel badly sometimes for... The, whatever proportion it is of cops that are doing a good thing and are yeah. trying to keep their community safe. And I think there's probably like a good portion of law enforcement that chose that career because it gave them some sort of like power that they were craving. Yeah. Um, and that's not cool. And those people should be weeded out. But there are so many people who are doing like really good things and are yeah. just, they're not being like recognize and you don't even see that ever because all we see is like the horrible bad stories and I just feel like demonizing a whole entire group of people based on like what the actions of like some that's how I feel on the reverse end for like Black Lives Matter is that I feel like black people are demonized by a lot of Blue Lives Matter people like on a whole and they're like well don't commit crime well just comply with orders like we need to learn about what these orders are and when they're reasonable and like how they're being used and who gets these orders and how often yes. and like I guess I just see that on both sides so I'm like, like I'll get the empathy whenever I feel like there's change being made but I don't feel it so if I'm going to have empathy my my empathy is like wholeheartedly with the people who are being like shot and 
There are a lot of yeah. police being attacked for being police. Not a lot, but, like, there, there's a lot of incidences of that where there's, like, it's after a, a police brutality It's shooting. a dangerous job. It really there's, is, though. I feel I that, know. but, like, you're having... I don't know. This, I could sound a little insensitive here, and so I get that, like, it is a super dangerous job and, like, respect to people who are putting their lives on the line, but, like, on the flip side, it's people who are, like, poor or people of color, just black Americans, like, being shot for a job they cannot quit you can't just like stop being black you don't get to like yes. be like oh i'm so brave for being black like let me just stop like with cops it is a really brave and noble thing to do but if it ever got to be too much if they didn't like the pressure if they didn't like being lumped into that group they could they could quit they could not right they could choose to not be lumped in that group and not face like the severe judgment that comes with it but like black people cannot just be like no thanks i don't want to be racially like profiled so I'm going to stop my career as a black person so I don't get shot in the streets. Like, a police could be like, oh, this is way too much for me. This is way too tense. People all think I'm a yeah. shitty person. I quit. But, like, black people kind of got all that weight thrust upon them without asking. So I just, like, I'm really not super empathetic towards law enforcement at all. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I guess I just try to think of it in, like, a more nuanced way. And yeah. that, I don't know, like... Not all black people are criminals, and not all cops are trying to kill black people. Like, I just think yeah. that, that both of those things can be true, and that it doesn't have to be, like, one is right and one is wrong, that there's, like, a little bit more nuance in this than mm -hmm. we like to say. And you're you're like, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so hesitant. <laughs> it's just been a real ugly system thus far, and, yeah. like, the, the loss that comes with, like, the prejudice of being a cop does not seem anywhere near as great that comes with, like, the prejudice of being black. Like, it just yes. doesn't seem the same to me. You're so right. I'm like, if, right. if a lot of more Blue Lives Matter people were coming to meet halfway, I would get that. But, like, I don't see as much of that, so I'm really not, like, <sighs> super empathetic yet. But I'm glad there's okay. people like you to make up for that part of what I'm lacking. But <laughs> I'm, like, not there yet. I think I'm equally enraged about what's going on, but I'm just not willing to, like demonize a whole entire group of people for that and i get it i get yeah. it i do but yeah um okay anyway moving on back to kamala harris <laughs> apologies for that rant i mean not apologies it's a good <laughs> important conversation to have and um let us know where, what you think about that and um I, i'd love to hear it okay so but some other people about Kamala Harris say that she was like way ahead of her time and that she, that looking through her record through a 2019 lens is not really fair. Um, about a bunch of people say that she, you know, did her best to reform a broken system from the inside. That's kind of like her message too. And that there was only so much she could really do without losing the support and cooperation of the people working below her or failing to be reelected and able to like keep pushing those yeah. policies. So, I don't know. It's it's iffy and it's difficult. Um, yeah. I can kind of understand both sides of it, like always. So, um, yeah, let us know what you think. But I'll explain more about some of those controversies coming up. She has um, addressed this issue a little bit. I have a few quotes I'll read. Um, on the first day of her campaign, she said, quote, The bottom line is the buck stops with me and I take full responsibility for what my office did. I'll detail some of what her office did in a moment. Um... She also said, and this is, you know, clearly not taking responsibility, that she, quote, had a host of clients that I was obligated to defend and represent. I could not fire my clients, and there were unfortunately situations that occurred where my clients took positions that were contrary to my beliefs. 
She said, quote, I will never make an excuse for saying this or an apology for saying this. One human being kills another human being. A woman is raped. A child is molested. They're uh, molested. There needs to be serious consequence and accountability. And if, and I'm always going to say that, and I'm always going to say that America has a problem with mass incarceration. We have been locking up black and brown men in particular, and we have a built in, and we have built in biases that are implicit and explicit that need to be addressed. So I was like, I don't know. I appreciated that statement. I was like a little yeah. bit of nuance. You know, I like that nuance, yeah. baby. Um, yeah. But some of the controversies in more detail uh, on the death penalty, which she has always personally opposed. However, she defended, uh, not however, I guess, she defended her district attorney's office's decision not to pursue the death penalty in a case where a man killed a police officer. She got a lot of flack for that. Um, originally ran on not enforcing capital punishment in her district, and whenever she was elected, she kept that promise. And even whenever, you know, police families and, like, people who supported the police and yeah. tough-on-crime Democrats, even in her own party, were going against her, she, like, made that choice, and that was, like, pretty bold. Um... She's also, uh, but then later as attorney general, she defended California's death penalty law in court. To be fair, however, this is like generally an attorney general's job is to enforce the existing laws regardless of whether or not she thinks that law is just. However, the prior year, um, she, there is precedent for attorney generals who refuse to defend the laws that they find unconstitutional and she did that the prior year with regard to Proposition 8, which was trying to outlaw same-sex marriage, um, or I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Not if it was outlaw or if it was, like, prevent I don't I'm not yeah. sure. But it was, you know, anti-gay marriage, and she did not support that and refused to defend that as attorney general, but then she did offend the death penalty the next year. Yeah. So it's like, like, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> she is now calling for a federal moratorium on the death penalty and says she will encourage states to do the same. I don't understand why she doesn't just want to outlaw it instead of doing a moratorium. If you don't know what a moratorium is, it means like a temporary ban of something until we can like figure it out. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why she doesn't, she's personally opposed to de the death penalty, but she, her policy doesn't support that she wants to outlaw yeah. it. She's just like, let's not do it for a while and see what happens. Um, and then there's like some corrupt policing practices and her office repeatedly defended law enforcement officers who acted inappropriately and sometimes illegally in order to avoid losing cases, which you could argue is their job, that they're supposed to get convictions. Um, her office also pushed back against a federal court order to expand the early parole program after courts found that California's prisons were unconstitutionally overcrowded. Her uh, office argued in court that they actually needed the labor pool, among other reasons, for a reason that they couldn't let them go. Um, I can't believe how openly people will discuss using prisoners as slaves. I'm like... That's, it's fucking wild. <laughs> um, however, like, immediately after that, she was, like, she said that she was not consulted on this, disagrees with that argument, and wished they would have, like, talked to her about it, because she would not have, have let that to happen. And it's, like, it's hard to say whether or not that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they also, she also increased bail costs as district attorney. Um, she said, quote, we are in the process of asking the bench, the, ju the judiciary, to reevaluate the fact that we require people who have been arrested to pay a lot less than other counties. So people come to San Francisco to commit crimes because it's cheaper to do it. Which is ridiculous. There's, like, no evidence. Who thinks like that? Like, let's go commit a crime in San Fran because no. that's a cheaper bail. That's why. <laughs> no, nobody does that. Um, <clears throat> no one plans on getting caught. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
she does now, however, oppose the cash bail system. And in 2017, in the Senate, in the Senate, she introduced a bipartisan bill which encourages and incentivizes states to replace their cash bail systems. So, cool. Leaving that there. Um, then there's her office's mishandling of appeals for release from innocent people in prison. Basically, her office used whatever means necessary to uphold those convictions, which you can argue, again, is their job. But, uh, and she did not directly play a role in that. It was like her office and she was doing other bigger, more important, not, I don't know if they're more important, but other things that, that was kind of like below her pay grade. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of people like to blame her for everything that her office did, but it was like, she didn't like directly do that. And she has said like, if I knew about that, I would have made sure it didn't happen. Yeah. So <sighs> again, a little iffy, um, on truancy. As district, as district attorney, she supported a tougher stance on truancy and pushed for legislation, which later passed, that made it a criminal misdemeanor for parents to allow kids in kindergarten through eighth grade to miss more than 10% of school days without a valid excuse. Yeah, that's a lot of, one of the biggest criticisms I heard about her was like, yes, like why criminalize those people? Yes. <laughs> um, punishments included up to $2,000 in fines and one year in jail. Uh, and then prior to the passage of that law, it was just a small fine that people had to pay if their kids were truant. Um, the intention behind the law, so they say, was to keep kids in school, avert future criminals, of which a disproportionate amount are school dropouts and maintain school budgets. But what about if your parents are in jail? <laughs> yes, you're right. I agree. Um, yeah, well, I have more, but... Um, yeah, she said it was also to maintain school budgets, which take a hit when students are frequently absent. Uh, and then, Yeah, because it's like uh, they get paid on the presence of students in right. class, right? Yeah, so. it's like average daily attendance yeah. or something like that, yeah. Um, and during her 2011 Attorney General inauguration, she said, quote, We are putting parents on notice. If you fail your responsibility to your kids, we are going to work to make sure you face the full force and consequences of the law. So it took a pretty tough, tough stance there. Yeah. Um, and, but despite all the controversy, the law did decrease truancy rates in the state, though some argue that preventative measures like ensuring transportation would have been a lot more effective at That's bringing down those rates. That's the take I would have done. I mean, like, how do you help people instead Get of to throw school. them in prison yes. for, like, something they're clearly struggling with? Exactly. <laughs> She did address this issue in her memoir that she released this year. She said, quote, Our effort was designed to connect parents with resources that would help them get their kids back in school where they belonged. We were not we were trying to support parents, not punishment, not Jesus Christ, not punish them. And in the vast majority of cases we succeeded. That's what she says. So um then there was like in a debate, Tulsi Gabbard pointed out that Kamala has put 1,500 people in jail for mar marijuana related offenses, but then later laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked it. Um, I fact checked that. Tulsi was referring to her work as attorney general, but district attorneys are actually the ones that oversee those cases. So she wasn't directly involved in it when she was attorney general. But when she was a DA herself, she oversaw around 1,900 marijuana convictions. But most of those people did not serve time. Only a few dozen were sentenced to prison. So a little bit of nuance there. Um, Tulsi Gabbard kind of made it sound like she personally put a bunch of people in jail. Put and the it, cuffs on and threw them yeah, in there. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't exactly like that. She did have a few like legitimate accomplishments. For example, as district attorney, she reformed the three strikes rule in San Francisco to only apply to people who commit serious or violent crimes instead of like any and all felonies. 
But she proposed a proposition to remove several crimes like burglary of an unoccupied residence, unintentional affliction of personal injury in the case of drunk driving, for example, from the list of serious and violent crimes, which I, when I think about drunk driving, I think that has to be more of an, like a, an addiction. Yeah, issue. that's like a problem. Like they weren't doing it with malicious intent, but someone still can get killed and that still right. can be like a habit. Right. But I also think hopefully that if it got so serious that you like wrecked, hit someone, got involved with law enforcement, like with the right steps being taken by law enforcement, that that would not continue to be a repeat behavior. That's exactly. like one of those things you do till you get caught and then I, you're like, fuck. I agree. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, but um, she says that the types of crimes considered like nonviolent should remain narrow. Um, and like s- some of them should stay on the list of serious and violent crimes that um, were, like apply to the three strikes rule. She also implemented, quote, first of its kind, racial bias training for police officers, which taught de-escalation techniques, implicit bias training, and building trust, among other things, which is actually was, like, first of its kind. That shit was not happening at that time. It was, like, the tough-on-crime era, and so that was legit and progressive. Um, She also made the California Department of Justice the first statewide agency to require body cameras, she launched a, progr- a program called Open Justice that tracked uh, police killings in the state. And as district attorney in 2005, she created the Back on Track program, which allowed first-time drug offenders to avoid jail time by instead participating in job training and counseling programs. Um, and again, that was like at a time when the tough-on-crime mindset was still really prevalent, even among Democrats. And she later expanded that program to other areas of the state as attorney general. So she did do some progressive things while yeah. she was there that were ahead of her time. I think where the issue and criticism comes for her is that you cannot tell like how she really feels because it's not so clear one way or the other. Yeah. It's like one of those where she'll like do something, but then she's like, well, I couldn't do it there. And then she'll do something and she's like, well, I could do it there. Or like, this is how I feel. They didn't yeah. let me there. And this time I didn't know. But this is how I feel this time. Like, that's why people are confused. And it's not so much a, like, she's a cop and she'll throw everyone in jail. But it's like, a, what if one of her advisors tells her to? Or what if she just can't do something about it? Like, how know. hard will she root for, like, people who need her help? I don't worry so much about it now because... Because she's got national well, scrutiny. So. Well, no, because it's... It's 2019, and most people are behind these kind of policies. Yeah. And I think it was a lot more difficult for her to implement those, like, back in the 90s and early, early 2000s, yeah. I guess, than it, than it is right now. Yeah. So, But that's what I'm saying is, like, <clears throat> it, yeah, I don't know. She did make, like, good changes when it was difficult to speak up. But then, I don't know, just, like, how much is because it is easy now versus, like, that's right. what your stand was the whole time. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sympathetic because a lot of what she's been accused of were just the people below her maintaining the status quo and like enforcing the law, which was their job. And and it wasn't like her specifically doing it. And I can understand that that was a really tough spot to be in to like push for change within an already broken system. Like, I don't know. I just think that that's a really tough spot to be in. Like, and, but I don't know. I can also agree that she made a lot of legitimate mistakes and that she was in over her head and that her leadership was maybe lacking in a few areas, and that she could have taken, like, more political risks, but, you know, I wasn't there, and I don't know, so it's hard to say. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I still feel iffy about it, and I feel like I trust her, like, this day and age to do the right thing, but... 
With her, I'm he really still the knows. same as I was as, like, in our earlier episodes where I'm like, I don't know how much I trust her, but if she's going to keep doing, like, really good performative things to, like, prove what side she's on, then and do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, then. Let's do it then, yeah. yeah. Totally. And I think there's a lot more scrutiny on her now. Exactly. So I think she would be a lot more careful about what she does. Yeah. I, If she doesn't become president, I've, like, speculated this before that... <clears throat> she may be our next U.S. Attorney General, yeah. and I I honestly wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah. I think she's got the experience, and her head's in the right place, at least now. So. I think I just, like, what I'm looking for in a president that she is lacking on for me is, like, steadfast moral character. Like, clear. Like, clear stance. Yeah. I see it. I don't and know. Not that every person has that, but I think that the president should. I feel you. Yeah. I don't know. I think we, we can't really get on the same page of whether or not we think her heart is in the right place. Like, I find yeah. her to be genuine whenever she talks about this stuff now, and I do believe it, but I could just be naive, naive and not fully understanding where she's at. So, anyway, Kamala Harris, everybody. Moving on. That was a long one. <laughs> Wayne Messam. This one will be tiny. So <laughs> Okay. There you go. Wayne Messam. If y'all don't remember, he's the governor from Miramar, Florida. So, here we he's go. He's not a governor. He's a mayor. Mayor. Mayor from Mir- Miramar, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like too much of a tongue twister. Um, he passed Ban the Box initiatives in Miramar. He has prioritized police diversity in his town, city. Um, he puts a strong emphasis on community engagement and rebuilding that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has denounced the war on drugs and said that it ruined thousands of lives, particularly in communities of color. He wants to work to end the school-to-prison pipeline, and he wants to legalize marijuana but enforce driving under um, the influence laws and spread economic benefits throughout communities and expunge records for arrested dealers. That was about the most specific his policy got. Okay. Wayne Messam. Wayne Messam. Next. Michael Bennett. That's me. Uh... Not a lot on Michael Bennett. He co-sponsors the First Step Act, or not co-sponsors, co-sponsored because it already passed. Uh, Currently co-sponsors Cory Booker's Marijuana Justice Act, although he did not support Colorado's legalization efforts at first, but he quickly came around after the fact when he realized that, you know, there wasn't a whole big increase in crime and nobody- There was an increase in like revenue. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, On his campaign website, he just says that he will reform the criminal justice system and build trust between communities of color and law enforcement, but that's really all that he said. He didn't provide any details or plans. Um, However, his Senate page says that he supports reducing mandatory minimum sentences for low-level offenses and increasing resources for people re-entering society. Again, no detail, but he did say that thing, and that's all I have on Yeah, at least they have opinions on it, I guess. Right. (laughs) That's that's Michael Bennett. Does not seem to be a top priority for him. I wonder if we came up with, like, a policy plan how more detailed it would be than how many of the candidates. Like... The most detailed. Yeah. And I would come up with solutions that they haven't even thought of yet. All right. Bernie. Bernie. Oh, that's me. Okay. Bernie Sanders got a pretty robust plan. Um, You've probably heard some of the classic quotes that he gives. Jobs and education, not jails and incarceration. I think I practiced that uh, impersonation earlier and I just failed miserably. (laughs) Um, He also has said on many occasions, quote, police forces (laughs) should look like the communities that they represent. Agreed. Um, 
his record. He's virtually progressive across the board, currently co-sponsors the Democracy Restoration Act, and as we mentioned in the last episode, he introduced and um, is the main sponsor for the No Money Bail Act of 2018. Uh, he did, however, vote for the 1994 crime bill, but it's a little bit complicated. He said that this was because uh, the Violence Against Women Act and the Temporary Assault Weapons Ban was included in it, and he did try to get the death penalty and tough-on-crime stuff out of the bill. I have a quote from the House floor in 1994, which was actually before I was born, and honestly sounds like something somebody could say today and, like, it'd be relevant and politically correct, so... That's a, that's a pretty good, um, whatever. I can't think of the right word, but life for your statement. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't look bad when you're looking back on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, he said, quote, It is my firm belief that clearly there are people in our society who are horribly violent, who are deeply sick and sociopathic, and clearly these people must be put behind bars in order to protect society from them. But it is also my view that through the neglect of our government and through a grossly irrational set of priorities we are dooming today, tens of millions of young people to a future of bitterness, misery, hopelessness, drugs, crime, and violence. And Mr. Speaker, all of the jails in the world, and we already imprison more people per capita than any other country, and all of the executions in the world will not make that situation right. We can either educate or electrocute, we can create meaningful jobs rebuilding our society, or we can build more jails. Mr. Speaker, let us create a society of hope and compassion, not one of hate and vengeance. So he was really trying to, like, reform that law before it got passed, but he did still vote for it in the end. Yeah, I have a quote from that, too, but he said, like, what do we have to do, but half the country behind bars? Yeah. Yeah, like, I think that he really seriously disagreed with the 94 crime bill, because he he had criticism of the earlier versions of that bill, and it wasn't until the Violence Against Women Act that he, like... Got on board. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also see had, how they got those people in. Yeah. He also had some criticism during his 2016 campaign because they, people say that he didn't focus enough on racial disparities in the justice system. But honestly, like he was focusing on it more than any other candidate was. So I'm not faulting for the, him on that very much. Um, okay. Then on his website with his actual plans. Holy shit. It's a lot. <laughs> Um, a lot of like ideas and concepts and principles, but not a whole lot of like specific Carrying plans, out. like ha- the hows, how are you going to do it? Um, he calls the cash bail system criminalizing poverty and regarding private prisons, he points out the rates of violence and sexual assault are higher in private prisons than in publicly run facilities. Regarding policing, he says that the police should not be expected to deal with societal problems like mental illness and poverty and points out the high rates of suicide among police officers that it's like it's difficult for them to and the system needs to change. Um, He said, as president, I will. And this is only a partial list because there was like I I could do a whole ass fucking episode on his plans, but I'm kind of like shrunk it down a little bit. Um, On prisons, he wants to ban for-profit prisons and detention centers and price gouging of commissaries and enact a prisoner bill of rights, which would include an end to solitary confinement. He calls it torture and unconstitutional, ending the ban on Pell Grants for the incarcerated population, uh, living wages and safe working conditions, the right to vote while in prison, an end to prison gerrymandering and unlimited phone and video calls and visits. So, yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. Um, some, like, bigger, I guess, system reforms. He wants to incentivize states and localities to end reliance on fines, f- 
fines and fees for revenue, but he didn't really explain how. Uh, he said, banned cash bail and federal proceedings, provide grants to states to reduce pretrial detention populations, and withhold funding from states who continue to use cash bail. Ensure that any alternatives to cash bail do not also create wealth and race disparities. That's really important. Um, re he wants to rescind Attorney General Sessions' guidance on consent decrees. Uh, Sanders supports limiting the use of qualified immunity. And he says we should triple congressional spending on indigent defense. Uh, indigent, indigent defense is just whenever you cannot afford a lawyer. They're like pub public defenders. Um, he also supports uh, reviewing public defender salaries and workload and to set a, mi a minimum starting salary and create a national formula to determine how many public defenders are necessary and require it. So that's super important. Um, like a minimum wage, but for defenders. <laughs> uh, yeah, minimum starting salary and then a, like, and how many defenders. I mean, like a minimum amount of defenders yes. as the minimum wage. Like, yes. like, it would take this many to get by, so everyone get this many. Exactly. Well, or, or like, I don't know, depending on how much population or crime there is, like there would probably be different amounts. He didn't explain what the formula would be, though. I would like to see that. Um, let's see. He also says we should create a federal agency to, pro to provide support to state public defense services, limit the absolute immunity for prosecutors, end the practice of jailing material witnesses, place a moratorium on algorithmic risk assessment tools until it's ensured that there are no implicit biases, abolish the death penalty, end mandatory minimum sentences, reinstate the federal parole program, and um, he says people serving long sentences will get a second look to ensure that the sentence is appropriate, um, and they'll reduce it if it's not. Love that. Um, he wants to end three strikes laws, expand compassionate release process, expand sentencing alternatives like halfway houses and create funding for states to come up with other solutions. Uh, he also would like to create an independent clemency board to serve in the White House, ban trying juveniles as adults, decriminalize truancy, create a federal agency focused on successful reentry, and ban the box. Oh, two more. Legalize cannabis and expunge records, legalize safe injection sites and needle exchanges. So. Sweet. Pretty comprehensive. All about compassion. Yes. And then we have policing. He has more. <laughs> um, he wants to end federal programs that provide mil military equipment to the police forces. I imagine he's talking about the 1033 program. Uh, create a federal database tracking instances of deadly force and require a U.S. Attorney General investigation of each death. I think that's a really good idea. Um, establish national standards for use of force, although he didn't name what that standard should be. He says we should establish a federal no-call policy, which basically just means uh, police that have been found to like have misconduct or got fired or whatever would basically, basically be placed on like a blacklist where they couldn't just go and be hired by another police department. It creates kind of like a national... Uh, I think you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Julian Castro just called it something different. Yeah. But yeah, same idea. Uh, let's see. He also wants to establish... Uh, uh, excuse me ban facial recognition software in policing, retrain police on implicit bias, de-escalation, and crisis intervention, among other things, ban the practice of benefiting from civil asset forfeiture. And this one's pretty interesting. He wants to fund state and municipal civilian corps, 
made of social workers, EMTs, and mental health professionals who can hand handle minor disputes and mental health emergencies without involving police at all. So it's like similar to a co-responder initiative, except yeah. it would be like a team of different types like of people that. that don't even use police at all for certain types of emergencies and calls. Yeah. Um, also wants to incentivize counseling and mental health services for officers and incentivize officers to live in the communities that they serve. Um, Honestly, that should be more of a thing. I'm like... Yeah, you think. <laughs> um, and then a couple more things that are not on his website, but he also does support requiring uh, police body cameras and ending the cocaine sentencing disparities. Not sure why he didn't put that in there, but maybe I just missed it because there was so fucking yeah. much. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Bernie Sanders, pretty in-depth plan. Sweet. If you want to know more, there's more on his website, and he kind of talks about it constantly, so... I like it. Word. Who is next? Joe Walsh. Is that me? Yes, I believe. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not much here either. In a 2018 tweet, he said that we need criminal justice reform. This was in response to uh, a tweet from Rand Paul that said that we need criminal justice reform because Paul Manafort was treated unfairly. Oh. Um, and then he responded, we need criminal justice reform, but not because of Paul Manafort. And that's literally all I can find about any time that he's spoken about criminal justice reform whatsoever. Joe Walsh doesn't give a fuck about this. Okay. Take it. Done. <laughs> Steve Bullitt. Is that me? making you read all yours. <laughs> is it? Is it me? Oh, wait. Is it me? I don't know. I don't know either. Nope, it's me. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, I hope not. <laughs> I get not again. Um, uh, Steve Bullock, as some of you may remember, was Attorney General of Montana from 2008 to 2013, and during that time he put more cops on the streets and on computers to go after sex predators and child abusers and also crack down on scam artists. So those were like his main um, crimes that he went after. And then as Governor of Montana, he signed uh, 10 bills in 2017 aimed at reducing Montana's prison population some of those measures included allowing violent offenders to participate in drug or mental health treatment courts that might have been non-violent i might have just miswrote miswritten that i don't know why like only violent offenders would be able to participate that seems strange um, or maybe because it was only non-violent offenders could participate maybe he's saying that violent offenders can also yes partake in like rehabilitation probably that um some of the other bills uh created a pretrial supervision program and prosecute prosecution and diversion program <clears throat> i guess uh, to allow people to not have to stay in jail when they're awaiting trial and to um a allow some people to like maybe go into mental health treatment or other things like that instead of even cool. going to court whatsoever so that's cool um increasing access to mental health and substance abuse treatment especially in rural areas allowing for early Earlier termination of sentences for good behavior and creating a supportive housing grant program for inmates to, who have not secured housing following their, their release. So it would provide these like rental vouchers for up to three months for I them to be, able to, to be able to find a place. Yeah, we kind of mentioned yeah. that as a solution in the last thing that they could. It was better housing for like people re-entering society. Yes. Um, so they would give you like so much money for three months to help with housing. So Hell yeah. Um, he also signed le legislation this year that allows some people charged with misdemeanors to avoid being detained before trial. He also signed legislation this year that ended the practice of suspending driver's licenses for people who cannot pay court debt. Yeah. yeah. Don't punish people for being broke. 
How you, how do you expect them to pay that court debt when they can't get in their car to drive to work? I'm saying. How? All of it is just like piled on top of, like, it's like, okay, fining you for that. And we're also an overdraft fee for being broke and a court day and a fine for not showing up. Good Lord. Uh, he did receive some criticism in 2018 from the ACLU for renewing for-profit for prison contract with Core Civic. Um, he generally does not support private prisons, but made this choice, what he says was on budget grounds. Originally, CoreCivic made an offer that for, it was like a 10-year contract at a higher per day rate for the inmates, and but, but they would return $34 million accumulated in user fees. Um, as we kind of mentioned last time, user fees are like what you pay for phone calls and healthcare and all those other things. Um, that company was like holding that money in like a trust for them or something, and it gets returned at some point. They have weird contracts sometimes, yeah. I don't know. Um, so there, that was the original contract, which he rejected and then negotiated it down to a only a two-year extension at the same rate that they had previously paid, plus that $34 million. So he was able to kind of bring it down a notch, but he also kind of kicked the can down the road because he won't be a governor next time. It has to be decided if it's going to be renewed. Yeah. So he's just like, somebody else is going to deal like, with that. I didn't have two done years. more, but yep. did some. <laughs> yes, and I think like, I don't know, there probably just wasn't a lot of other options. Like, what, are we going to build a prison right now? Or are we yeah. just going to, like, extend this for a minute and try to figure something else out in the meantime? So, yeah. anyway. Uh, he also does support the death penalty, quote, for the most extreme circumstances like terrorism. And there's nothing on his campa- campaign website on this issue. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, not too important to Steve Bullock. Cory Booker. Cory That's funny. That's who I wanted to grab. Cool. Thanks, universe. Okay. <laughs> Cory Booker. He was elected um, as mayor in 2006 whenever tough on crime was still pretty big of a thing. Mm-hmm. So that's like the policy he ran on. Newark had was ranked one of the most dangerous cities in America at the time. So he was definitely running on that campaign. Yeah. Um, he hired a new police director whenever he was elected named Gary McCarthy, who is one of the key creators of the broken window styles of policing that we talked about Yikes. in the last episode. McCarthy, um, he made officer discipline like within the departments more efficient, uh, and he moved a lot more officers to the night shift whenever a lot of the crimes were occurring, but he also continued to stop and frisk program, which statistics have shown is racially biased. Mm-hmm. Um, he then went on to serve as Chicago police superintendent after that, and he was fired over a controversy over a fatal police shooting of a black teenager, Laquan McDonald's, in 2014. Mm-hmm. So that was a little interesting because it, it didn't have to do with when he was working with uh cory booker but that happened just a little bit down the road after he left so not the best look um booker was known for like doing ride-alongs and appearing with police at like crime scenes and in one instance of course he was this sounds like some sort of like arrested development material to me (laughs) but in one instance he personally chased a knife-wielding man who was ultimately tackled by one of booker's security guards And in his memoir in 2016, apparently Booker said that he yelled, not in my city, while the police were holding him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, So, like, because of theatrics like this, a lot of local activists complained that Booker was more interested in befriending the police and holding them accountable. 
uh, one of the quotes from a critic of his said, like, he did not want to be associated with groups that were, quote unquote, against the police. But we weren't against the police. We were against police brutality. And that's no small nuance. Right. Um, I think that's kind of what we were saying earlier. Like, I'm not against police. I'm against police brutality. Yeah. I'm less on that. I'm a little more. (laughs) I can be against police. Like, I'm more biased on that. But that's because of the system. But I'm like. There's still people doing it. Yeah. Um, the ACLU hired an outside lawyer to conduct a nine-month... <clears throat> Excuse me. Choked on my spit. Okay. <laughs> ACLU hired an outside lawyer to conduct a nine-month investigation of Newark police and warned Booker that they intended to send the findings to the U.S. Justice Department. Um, the complete report tallied more than 400 allegations of misconduct by the officers of Newark and documented millions of dollars in settlements that the city had paid out. Yikes. Yep, they gave Booker 10 days to respond, but he didn't, so they mailed that shit to Washington, (laughs) and um, Booker, like, immediately came out trying to discredit the report, saying, if Deborah Jacobs, the woman who did it, and her team really want to help, this is probably one of the worst ways. We are making progress, and we don't need people who are going to frustrate, undermine, and mischaracterize our agency. Then about, like, eight months later, his opinion began to shift. Um, He attributes it to talking with his chief of staff, Mo Butler, who Booker says reminded him of how it felt to be racially profiled during a traffic stop and that now he was telling black residents that their concerns about unjust policing were overblown. He said, quote, if I stepped out of my crime fighting bubble and was once again just another young black guy, I would not only embrace a comprehensive investigation, I'd be demanding it. So he like turned a little on that. I was like, okay, fine. Y'all can investigate the investigation that you already did and found findings of and sent to Washington. Okay, Okay. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Um, And then he started rolling out reform measures, like a public reminder that citizens have the right to record officers. Um, He expanded reentry programs for released prisoners, and he endorsed the formation of a civilian police review board. The findings of the like an oversight board, I guess. Yeah, basically, but led by civilians. Great. It's really cool. I like the idea of that. Like communities check in them. Totally. We don't like what you're doing, sir. Especially with, like, what you were saying. If some of these cops are not living in the cities they're representing and, like, just show up and try to talk about what's going on and what to do, I say, are you... You don't even live here. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Civilians know their shit. They know what's going on in their little towns. I would love to be on a civilian oversight board. Goals. Right? (laughs) That would be cool. Um... The findings of that report indicated that 75% of the pedestrian stops did not meet legal criteria and that black residents were 2.5 times more likely to be stopped than white residents. No one's shocked. Yeah. Um, But by then, he was senator and he was really vocal about racial disparities in law enforcement. So he had a change of heart. Yes. And, like, he was honest about it. Like, he was like, yeah, I was super pro-crime fighting. And then someone was like, you're a young black guy. And he said, huh. You're when right. you put it that way, I, I could get shot for no reason. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. And yeah. then um, he's introduced the Redeem Act as part of his plan. He says, our criminal justice system is broken. We're incarcerating too many people and wasting taxpayer dollars without doing anything to actually increase safety. Mm-hmm. Um, Redeem stands for Record Expungement Designed to Enhance Employment. M? There's no M. Like, employment. <laughs> okay, maybe that's what I was like. Redeem. They just, they, like, every single act is, like, an acronym for something. I hate it. Um, (laughs) It's aimed to complement sentence reform and is aimed at reducing recidivism and preventing crime among youth. 
It creates a federal ceiling pathway for nonviolent adult ex-offenders, which would allow adults to appeal for the sealing of their criminal records. Dope. Um, petitioners who have successfully sealed their records, like we say, like can they can legally say that the record doesn't exist. Yes. Um, the Redeem Act offers grants to incentivize states to enact this. Cool. Um, it automatically seals and in some cases expunges juvenile records. It incentivizes states to raise the age of adult criminal responsibility to 18 years old. It significantly restricts solitary confinement of juveniles, which is interesting phrasing. Like, significantly restricts it, but I'm like, so not eliminates. Right. (laughs) Um, (sighs) Which I think solitary confinement is fucked up, but especially for a developing brain. Like, it fucks up a developed brain. So, like, one that is still forming... I don't even know. I can see somebody, like, coming out with some instance where you're like, well, what do you do with this person? This is yeah, the story. Like, this specific, is... But I'm like, I could find something else to do. I'm like, Maybe. Locking someone know. in a room is just not. I, I think definitely not indefinitely and definitely not for extended periods of time. Yeah. But sometimes I don't, for safety yeah. reasons, like, that might be the only option they have. I don't know. I could get it for safety, but I guess in the context of, like, solitary confinement, a.k.a., like, no outdoor time, no windows, no socialization at all, even with the cops who are like, or the guards, I guess, who mm-hmm. are coming to your door. Like, right. absolutely none that will drive a person crazy. And if we're going to, like, walk the walk and talk the talk about rehabilitation, then we need to, like, represent that. And I agree. Um, I think that there's a better way to, like, even for safety and punishment than to, like, break people's brains open. So, I, yes. Interesting. Um, he lifts the lifetime uh, snap and, like, the needy families benefits for like food stamps and stuff like that mm-hmm. um for he lifts the ban on that for many non-violent drug offenders cool. um he improves the accurate or that plan improves the accuracy of the fbi background check system and then he's also introduced the matthew charles and william underwood second look act Mm-hmm. which would let people who have served more than 10 years in prison peti- petition a court for an early release. Inmates 50 years and older would get the presumption of release unless a, jo- a judge showed that they're an actual threat to society. That's cool. And then he has a clemency plan to use the president's, presidency's expansive pardon and clemency powers to grant an early release to as many as 17,000 to 20,000 people in federal prison for drug offenses. Hell yeah. And establishing a panel within the White House that would make recommendations for more clemency applications in the longer term. Awesome. That's about what I've got on him. Cool. Cory Booker. There you go. Who was next? Marianne Williamson. Okay, that's me. I forgot about her for a second. <laughs> she's been a little MIA since she's not been in the debates, but she's still out there. She's still... I keep seeing her live streams. <laughs> still going for it. Yeah. Uh, Marianne Williamson opposes the death penalty. She supports legalization of cannabis and amnesty for nonviolent cam- cannabis offenders. She wrote extensively about the negative effects of tough-on-crime policies in her 2018 book, Healing the Soul of America. So you can go read that book if you want to <laughs> learn more. Um, on her website, she kind of has stuff on under like various sections. Um, the first is uh, she has a crime prevention section where she points out the culture of violence. She says we have the highest homicide rate among industrialized nations and that Youth violence is among the leading causes of death for the U.S., people aged 15 to 24, and that one-third of women have reported uh, domestic violence, and that many people in crime-ridden areas of the country are suffering PTSD equivalent to that of veterans returning from war, 
I tried to fact check that. I don't know if, if that's actually true, but it sounds about right. Yeah. If there's a bunch of, you know, gunshots in your neighborhood, that can yeah. be pretty fucking traumatizing, I bet. Also, with students in schools, I could, like, like, growing up in, like, the school shooting generation, I could attest to the fact that I feel like a lot of my peers have anxiety over yes. shit they should not have to be worrying about and, I, like, crippling anxiety. I I totally do. Like, like crowds for that reason are a big reason I don't go to like a lot of things and that's exactly what terrorism is aimed to do is to make us not live our lives fully yeah and it works um (laughs) effective she said to prevent crime she will fund more community outreach programs like violence interrupters um she will create multi-systematic and functional family therapy to address childhood to address childhood trauma, which I have no idea what the fuck that means, and she didn't provide detail, but that's what she had said. That's Um, what she had said. (laughs) She wants to create workshops and retreats uh, where troubled youth can go to build relationships with peace officers. Um, I think peace officer is just another word that we call police officers sometimes, and I think that's the word that she chooses to use, or she might be talking about something else. Like, in my brain, when I first read it, I was like... By the time her presidency is done, they won't be police officers anymore. They'll be peace officers. In my head, I thought there was something different, but maybe they are. I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Tell us what a peace officer is. <laughs> um, I tried to Google it. I couldn't really. really? I, couldn't I was about to Google it real quick. Yeah, do it. I can find what it is. Maybe, maybe I missed it. Um, she also says to prevent crime, she'll provide supportive services like housing and emotional support to domestic violence victims teach in schools and communities principles like self-awareness, empathy, and nonviolent social skills. That's important. Uh, increase funding for mentoring programs, increase funding for community policing, which basically just means a collaboration between the police and the community to solve problems, and more resources for out-of-school programming to teach kids good habits and skills like from an early age. Let's prevent. Nice. Let's- And just to update, I think they are the same thing, according to Google. Word. Thank you. She has a criminal justice section of her website, too. She says, in order to prevent crime, we must engage at-risk youth um, and address poverty. She has a plan to address at-risk youth and poverty, but for another episode. Mm -hmm. A lot of plans. Um, But she said to reform the criminal justice system, she will implement restorative justice programs um and as far as i know she's the only candidate to say that i we talked about restorative justice in the last episode as being like an alternative to the punitive criminal justice system go listen to that if you don't know what i'm talking about um she also supports a trauma-informed approach to all reforms the idea that we should be sensitive to trauma endured by offenders in order to break the cycle Um, particularly this idea should lead the juvenile justice justice system by offering respect and psychological support to support to youths who engage in crime. Um, she also uh, says she will increase the number of programs for incarcerated people to teach emotional literacy, communication skills, conflict resolution skills, and job training. Lovely. Love that. Um, she also has a mass, mass incarceration section of her episode. So I guess this is more specific to what we're talking about today. Uh, she points out that Two prison companies, CoreCivic and GEO, control uh, 75% of the market, which is fucking crazy. It's, like, very monopolistic in that industry. Um, And she said to deal with mass incarceration, she will lead a national conversation on, quote, how to free our people, um, end federal three strikes laws, and work with the states to end similar state laws. 
She supports a, stu a study of federal mandatory minimum sentences and ending as many as possible and then working with states to do the same. Uh, decriminalizing some current criminal activities starting with victimless crimes. I think, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Like, if nobody was hurt by what you did, like, why should you be in jail? That's yes. crazy. Um, she also says she'll empower the Justice Department to investigate for-profit prisons. However, she did not say that she would eliminate them. She just said that we should investigate them. Let's look at it. But that's fair. After I learned a little bit more, like, initially I was like, fuck a for-profit prison. Don't make money off of them. But I'm like, if there's contract, like, some contracts are really good and, like, include a lot of oversight and... And stuff like that, but I still think, like, without the oversight of for-profit prisons, that's where it can run wild. People can put fucked-up contracts in there, and we don't yes. even know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The government contacts with private companies to do a lot of things who are just already yeah. more efficient at doing it. Yeah. And, so, I'm like, I, I get it for efficiency, but I'm like, right now, it sounds a little more fucked up than it should be, so yes. I'm down to investigate it. Quite but I'm also down to ban them. Quite true. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then lastly, she says she will empower the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice to investigate prison conditions, file class action lawsuits on behalf of imprisoned people, examine the parole process, and apply pressure to states and localities to re-examine sentencing processes. But not a lot of specifics there, but yeah. So that is Marion Williamson. Alrighty. Tom Steyer. That's me too, I think. Alrighty. Uh, not really much on him because he's not a politician. Um, <laughs> in 2005, the hedge fund that he managed uh, made a $34 million investment in Corrections Corporation of America. Awesome. Yes. Um, which I think we mentioned them before, but they run private prisons and detention centers. Yeah, that was a sarcastic awesome because I've made some genuine awesomes while you've been saying. I right. just want to clarify that it's not <laughs> awesome. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Tom Steyer says that he now regrets this, and then in a statement in July, he said, I deeply regret that Farallon, Farallon, I don't know how to say it, that was the name of his hedge fund, um, made that investment, and I personally ordered the investment and CCA be sold because it did not accord with my values then or now. I kind of fact-checked though, that, though, to make sure it was true, and it's kind of really hard to tell if it's true. There was a whole, like, dump Farallon campaign because... Uh, they were managing a lot of portfolios for colleges and universities. And so when students found out that the money that was in those funds was being invested in private prisons, they like obviously Lost raised a huge stink about it and had like a big campaign to, um, for all, for their colleges to not use that hedge fund manager yeah. company for their money. Um, and it seems like that is actually what influenced them to uh, sell it and not his own like personal beliefs. But maybe he didn't know that they had bought that investment until until there was that campaign. So I'm not sure. He tries to say it was his own moral like fortitude that decided he didn't want to do yeah. that. But that, yeah, maybe it was a trend on Twitter, but yeah. we'll see. Might be <laughs> might be total bullshit. Yeah. Um he also spent some money on ballot initiatives in California in 2016, $1.75 million to increase uh, parole and good behavior opportunities for felons convicted of nonviolent crimes, which passed, so that's cool. Um, but another $1.75 million on a proposition to repeal the death penalty in California, and that failed. So he's got like a 50-50 record of putting his money towards this shit and <laughs> seeing if it worked out. Um, and then there's really nothing on his website about this, and he hasn't spoken on it from what I can tell. So that is all. 
Oh, Tom Steyer. Right. Just give your money to Democrats. Stop trying to run for president. <laughs> Donald Trump. That's me too. Okay. Um, as we all know, his message is strongly focused on law and order and honoring victims, etc. What we used to do in the old days. Yes. Uh, he supports the death penalty and expanding its use to cover, quote, cop killers, drug dealers, and others. Like, he wants to put to death drug dealers. That's kind of fucking out there and crazy. Um, supports stop and frisk policies in order to address gang violence. Uh, he also supports medical cannabis, or he has said that at one point, but he does not support recreational or decriminalization of cannabis. But back in 1990, he used to argue that drugs should be decriminalized and revenue used for drug education programs. He's, he said back then, quote, you have to take the profit away from these drug czars. So obviously his views have changed a little bit. As we all kind of know about Donald Trump, he supported like Democrats and some like Democratic ideology back in like the 90s and before, but has, you know, changed, changed over time <laughs> as he's aged. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um... He's also called the police the most mistreated people in America. Isn't he the most mistreated person in America? Oh, I, I know. Well, then, is who he a is police it? officer? Oh my goodness. <laughs> he probably is. Eight. You know, he would run into a school if there was a shooter and tackle him. So, yeah. Um. Then there's the whole Central Park Five shit, which you mentioned briefly in the last episode. But at the time, he was. Very vocal about his feelings about the arrested men. Were they even boys at the time? They're not. They were boys. Okay, the arrested boys. I, I apologize. Um, he even took out a full page ad or full page ads in the major New York Times newspapers, saying, "Quote: Bring back the death penalty. Bring back our police." And that quote: "They should be forced to suffer, and when they kill, they should be executed for their crimes." Uh, he said whenever the convictions were later overturned and the settlement paid for that wrongful imprisonment, he called it a disgrace. He said, quote, these young men do not exactly have the past of angels and says that they deserve, they don't deserve a dime and they, quote, owe the taxpayers an apology for taking money out of their pockets. Yeah. yeah. Why'd y'all have to go and get arrested and get everyone to investigate your case? Ridiculous. And then get a settlement for how wrongfully you were treated. Uh, really? Why did y'all do that? Yes. Oh, Lord. And I have some uh, fun quotes from his 2000 book, The America We Deserve. On the death penalty, he has said, A life is a life, and if you criminally take an innocent life, you better be prepared to forfeit your own. My only complaint is that lethal injection is too comfortable a way to go. Isn't that, isn't there some controversy that lethal injection can be like super painful and we just don't know because it paralyzes you first? Um, it's actually horrifying. It just paralyzes you, but it doesn't numb you whatsoever. Exactly. And then the drugs that they use to actually kill you make your whole body feel like it's on fire, but you yeah. can't move or scream or do anything. Exactly. It's literally I'm terrified of that. Yeah. Yes. I've heard a lot of controversy about that. People really yeah. think it's like a little shot and you go off to sleep. Like, no, you're just paralyzed. There was a guy on death row that petitioned to be killed by firing squad recently instead because he said like at least it's a more surefire way to go and I'm afraid of being able to feel everything yeah. and whatever and the judge upheld that and let him do that and so they yeah. did like the first firing squad execution they've done in a really long time. Perhaps to that nude I wouldn't want to go by injection either after the shit I've heard. I'd be like just take me out. Yeah. Um, we can have a whole ass episode on the death penalty and like how um, like kind of crazy that is and even the people that perform them the kind of like mental health care that they need after the fact to cope with that it's yeah. just like so difficult for everybody involved it's definitely one of those where it's like less of like just a specific policy and more of kind of like a moral and 
philosophic argument like where do we stand as a society and what what debt are we placing on the people who carry it out yeah i have i'm not very nuanced on this issue either i think that if we believe that murder is wrong it's wrong to murder a murderer for me it's wrong i'm at like the the amount of people who are wrongfully convicted or exonerated after and that we are still like in a system that puts people to death but regularly like clears people of guilt and i'm like right and the amount of times that happens after someone has been put to death and the amount of times i'm sure they don't even look into someone they put to death because they're like well we already put them to death let's not right make sure so i'm just like till we have a 100 percent like guarantee of success and convicting people we should not even be talking about permanently punishing them i don't even support it at that point yeah like on a just like a and base level killing a human being is yeah, wrong it should not even be in the conversation it doesn't matter what they have done yeah yeah um and but he did sign the donald trump he did sign the first step act and according to one of his tweets he is responsible for it <laughs> the man does it all he sure is not but he says so um he also has a law and justice section of his campaign website, which outlines all of the steps the Department of Justice has taken to crack down on crime, and but there's like absolutely no plan for reforming it. So that is not on his radar whatsoever. He said we need to ramp up tough on crime policies, bring that shit back. That's and what... let's also not forget that with his election, private prison stocks boomed. Mm-hmm. Yes. He said, who wants money? Who wants prisoners? Oh my god. Crazy. Okay, that's Donald Trump. I can't talk about it anymore. Moving on. Amy Klobuchar, are you again? Oh, yes, it is. Okay, Amy Klobuchar. Um, if you remember, she is a former local Minnesota... Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota prosecutor. Uh, she supports abolishing capital punishment and reducing mandatory minimums, although she pushed for longer sentences when she was a prosecutor. She co-sponsored the First Step Act and the Bipartisan Crime Victim Restitution and Court Fee Intercept Act in 2011, which would have allowed the Secretary of the Treasury to deduct uh, from tax returns any court debt or restitution to victims owed, but that did not pass. So, I'm glad it didn't. Um, Her record as a prosecutor is a lot similar to Kamala Harris, except that she didn't really have as much power. She was like, you know, she was a little, little prosecutor, yeah. a little local prosecutor. Um, and, uh, da, 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 da. and that she also didn't like claim that she was ever a progressive prosecutor. So it's a little bit different than Kamala and that It's at way. least less like contradictory of itself. Exactly. Um, she was regarded as tough on crime, but everybody was the back then. And she had the support of the police community She also pursued harsher penalties for repeat offenses like failure to pay child support and white-collar crimes, especially drunk drivers. She was, like, sort of tough on truancy. It's hard to tell. Um, She often used language calling truancy, quote, the kindergarten of crime and gateway crime and and sometimes threatened kids and parents with court even though truancy was not illegal in Minnesota. So she would just be like, I'm going to see you in court if you keep doing this. Just kind of, like, scare them and get get them to get their kids in school. Um, However, as a senator, she introduced legislation called the Student Attendance Success Act to decrease truancy rates among middle schoolers. It basically would have provided grants to schools with high truancy rates and required them to work with local organizations to address the problem. And it did not include any form of criminalization or punishment. It was really focused on supportive services and prevention. So that was good. But, of course, it did not pass. So They say, what about instead if we just went back to putting them in jail? Yeah. (laughs) The money, though. Yeah. The labor force. 
Um, she also pursued longer sentences for violent crimes and drug dealers while she was a prosecutor, but she was an early supporter of the Innocence Project, which is a group of people who were working to overturn wrongful convictions and led efforts to improve the eyewitness identification process in that county. So that's cool. Um, and also supported efforts uh, to require the recording of police interviews. So, Sweet. yeah. Uh, nothing really on her website, but she did outline her plan in an op-ed. Um, she wants to create a clemency advisory board and separate White House position to advise her on criminal justice matters and reform the presidential pardon system. Like, she was like, I need help with this one, guys. I don't know if I can do this by myself. Um, she also wants to offer educational and job training programs for people before and after they leave prison, expand drug courts, and reform the cash bail system. If she said how she wanted to do any of those things, I would tell you, but she did not say how. So that is Amy Klobuchar. Yes. Next. Elizabeth Warren, that's you again. <laughs> okay. Elizabeth Warren. Um... Yeah, her whole thing is like equal justice. She talks about that a lot. A kind of sum up quote of her positions is, quote, it's not equal justice when a kid with an ounce of pot can get thrown in jail while a bank executive who launders money for drug cartel can get a bonus. Um, however, like, I wonder if she knows how much an ounce of weed is. Like, yeah. she said it like it was like a normal amount to have. I'm like, that's a, that's a little bit more than your Just average Just a beer. little tyke with an ounce of weed. <laughs> like, who the fuck has an ounce of weed? Um, uh, but, uh, of course she has a plan, which she released in August. She said, quote, we need to tackle the problem at its roots. And according to Warren, those roots are good educational opportunities, affordable housing, accessible mental health services and addiction treatment and violence intervention. She said as president, she will break the school to prison pipeline by equipping schools with the ability to offer health services uh, decriminalizing truancy, a trauma-informed alternative to disciplinary practices. Unclear what that means or what those are, but that's what she says. Um, she wants to limit suspensions, expulsions, and arrests for minor infractions, require police departments to provide training on de discrimination, youth development, and de-escalation in order to receive federal funds, she proposes rescinding Trump's executive order that allowed schools to participate in the 1033 program and fund the Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights to investigate schools with disparities and disciplinary actions. She also wants to reduce homelessness and housing insecurity. She has a whole ass housing plan, which we will cover on another episode, um, but she says that that would help reduce crime, and she wants to invest in violence interruption programs. I'm not sure that we talked about that before, but basically they're like people who used to be in gangs or involved in crime and stuff like that, like engaging with people who might commit again and offering them resources and like another path at yeah. life. So it's like engaging with people who they are like willing to speak with and stuff. I like that. Yeah. Not someone who's trying to tell you like how to make it when they've never really been confronted with the same options that right. you are they're just like hey man i can help you get a job yeah. i can help you get some treatment like, like why don't you like i've been there that's not the only way yeah exactly like, i know some people yeah. yeah look how healthy i look now yeah if they you, look it can be you <laughs> yes um she also says that we should decriminalize mental health and that me medicare for all would help with that and also co-responder initiatives to address mental health um like we mentioned before a behavioral or mental mental health professional would team up with law enforcement to uh answer calls that would amazing help. yes um 
She says we should invest in diversion programs for substance abuse. She supports safe injection sites and needle exchange programs and introduced the CARE Act to deal with the opioid crisis. Crisis. Correct. And that's how it's so I need to take, like, speaking lessons or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it also had some provisions to help uh, incarcerated people get treatment, too. So that's cool. Um, she says we should repeal the, repeal the 1994 crime bill, legalize cannabis, and erase convictions. And she currently co-sponsors the Marijuana Justice Act. She says we should eliminate the cocaine sentencing disparity and stop criminalizing homelessness. And when she's talking about, like, local laws that ban sleeping in public or living in a car, etc. Yeah. Um, didn't explain how she would do that at a federal level. But, I mean, I guess she always talks about the doctrine of preemption and how when a when you pass a law on a federal level, then the, uh, the states kind of have to abide by it. Yeah. But uh, she also says we should stop criminalizing poverty by ending cash bail, restricting pretrial fees and civil asset forfeiture, cap criminal debt collection at a percentage of income. She didn't name what that percentage would be, but I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And eliminate the profit incentive by diverting any seized assets to a general fund. So police departments cannot use anything that they take. Yeah, that would be um, cool. Eliminate fees for necessary services in jails like like phone calls, uh, bank transfers, and healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, she says equal justice, that she will go after big companies for criminal negligence and fraud, that it's not fair that yeah. we criminalize certain crimes so heavily and other crimes we just, like, let people get away with it. They can have these big fancy lawyers and they get off and it's expunged and yes. they're fine. Money, like, guarantees yes. freedom. <laughs> and they're, like, systematically fucking thousands of people, not just, like, they harmed one person just one time. They, yeah. Yes. So, um... She also gave some provisions for law enforcement reform. She said we should improve access to treatment for officers who deal with addiction, PTSD, and other mental health problems. She says we should create a national data collection system run by the Department of Justice that will track police misconduct of all kinds. And she would reverse Attorney General Sessions' guidance on consent decrees, allow the Department of Justice's office to... um, Sorry, the Department of Justice's Office of Civil Rights to investigate police departments, incentivize state attorney generals to conduct their own investigations, implement a grant program to create more civilian oversight boards. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, establish a federal standard for use of force, although she didn't provide that standard. Um, she says more funding for training on implicit bias, discrimination, and cultural competency, etc. Et uh, she says we should limit qualified immunity, end stop and frisk and other discriminatory practices, separate law enforcement from immigration enforcement, and build trust in communities. Nobody else really talks about that, but that's a a good one. Um, She says we should demilitarize police departments by eliminating the 1033 program and creating a buyback program for equipment already in use. She said, expand the use of body cameras by funding them in communities that cannot afford it in exchange for implementation of accountability policies. So that's cool. Um, Says we should also strengthen the public defender system, which would include um, expanding grant funding for that, reopening and expanding the Department of Justice's Office for Access to Justice, uh, fair salary and responsible caseload for public defenders, although she didn't explain 
how we would determine that salary or the caseload that is too much. Maybe we just need to like study that or something and figure it out. Um, And uh, that the public defender should have language and cultural competency training so they can provide like better defense to more types of people. Definitely. Yes. Uh, She also has a plan to rein in prosecutorial abuses, including reducing the use of coercive plea bargaining at the federal level, expanding open file discovery. Did we say what that was? Open file discovery? Yeah. Open file discovery is just that um, if you're a defendant in a trial or an action that's being brought against you, you deserve to know everything that the prosecutor, all of the evidence that they have against you and what argument that they're going to put forward so that you can build a defense to respond we did talk i think we did yeah Yeah. i think it was like in the terms yeah just Um, to catch you up yes uh and additionally to rein in those abuses she says she'll establish a commission on prosecutorial misconduct to make additional recommendations she's like we gotta study this we need to figure out what's going on um she also says she would repeal restrictive habeas rules that make it harder for innocent people to overturn convictions for example, like you have to exhaust all state appeals before seeking federal habeas relief. Um, she wants to do away with that. She says she commits to diversifying the federal judiciary to prevent corporate capture. And corporate capture just means when financial interests take over public institutions like the courts or legislators, yeah. healthcare system, etc. cetera. Uh, and then she wants to establish uh, an advisory board of survivors on uh, survivors of violence and formerly incarcerated people. So like be, so you get people from both sides, yeah. people that have been harmed by criminals and people who are criminals. Like yeah. what, what do we do? Like that too. Me too. Um, on reforming incarceration, she says we should reduce or eliminate mandatory minimums, reverse sessions memo requiring federal prosecutors to seek the harshest penalties possible, uh, raise the age of criminal liability to 18 and eliminate life without parole sentences for minors. I love that. Uh, She says we should end the death penalty, create a White House clemency board to review a broader set of cases, and improve prison conditions by accommodating religious practices, accommodating for disabilities, limiting restrictive housing, aka solitary confinement, um, allowing trans people access to health care, and allow them to be in the facility that aligns with their gender identity, eliminating solitary confinement, and audit prisons to make sure that they are following the law, prosecute prison staff who engage in misconduct, double grant funding for education and job programs, offer mental health and addiction treatment to incarcerated people, eliminate private prisons and detention centers, prohibit price gouging on commissary and package services, like same thing as user fees, all that is yeah. the fees that you have to Stop pay when you're in price prison. price jacking yes, shit. Yes, exactly. Um, and prohibit charges for reentry, supervision, and probation services. We awesome. didn't we didn't mention that when we were talking about parole and probation, but you have to pay fees as yeah. well. Like, yeah, ridiculous. And you can get jailed again for not making those fees. Yes. <sighs> uh, and then to support reentry, she says we should remove restrictions on occupational licensing, housing, and disenfranchisement. Reduce parole requirements for low-level offenders and remove the threat of jail for minor parole violations. And establish a I said establish, establish a federal expungement process. So, cool. Lovely. Elizabeth Warren. The man with the plan. Woman with the plan. (laughs) Woman with the plan. Beto, is that me? I think so. Do you need to how to go on my little tiny phone screen now because my iPad died? Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. Oh, so sorry. 
Let me lean back. Let me get far away from the microphone where I can't cause damage. We're flailing. All right. Well, Beto basically wrote a whole book uh, condemning the war on drugs like a decade ago. Okay. A smart girl would have gotten the title of that book, but I did not. (laughs) I bet you it's something about, like, the war on drugs. Probably. (laughs) Um... He intends to reform the criminal justice system by ending the prohibition of cannabis, expunging arrest records of those arrested for possessing it, ending cash bail, ending mandatory minimums, eliminating private and for-profit prisons, ensuring police accountability and civil rights violations, uh, providing more funding for public defenders, and ensuring that the formerly incarcerated have a path to re-enter societies. He wants to introduce restorative justice programs as well to assist with the... I knew that one of my candidates had said it, but I didn't remember who, so I was just shutting my mouth until we like, got there, yeah. Lovely, now no, we got two. Veto's supported that too. Um, he wants to ensure access to adequate health care within prisons. He wants to treat addiction like a public health concern. Um, he's for banning the box. He wants to make federal scholarships available to incarcerated individuals. And he wants to restore the right to vote for people who have already served their time. And he has just come out in a statement and, like, acknowledged how his white privilege has played a role in the fact that he himself has a criminal record and is running for president, which only a white man could do, I feel like. Um, That's about it. He doesn't have anything super in-depth. It's also more just stances and takes. But I think the most in-depth thing you could find is his opinion on the war on drugs in that whole book. And it wasn't just him. I think it was, like, co-authored by another person who I don't know. So, so. All right. Cool. There you go. Better work. Yep. Who's next? Joe Biden. I got him. Okay. Woo. Okay. Joe Biden. You probably heard his name in this conversation before. Um, so let's start with his record. We've got the Comprehensive Control Act of 1984. This is a law that expanded federal drug trafficking penalties, civil asset forfeiture, and it entitled local police department to a share of what they captured, so incentivized people to abuse the law in some cases. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986, which was sponsored and partly written by him. This increased the severity of penalties for drug crimes, uh, created a bigger, sen- or just made worse the sentencing disparity between... Right, uh, and we mentioned these in our last yeah, episode, too. Crack and powder cocaine. Then the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1988, he co-sponsored that, which was one that introduced, or increased prison sentences for drug possession, uh, transporting drugs... And it established the Office of National Drug Control Policy. Yikes. He criticized one of Bush's war on drugs plans, saying it doesn't include enough police officers to catch the violent thugs, not enough judges to sentence them, and not enough prison cells to put them away for a long time. Oh, my. Which, thugs is a pretty racially charged word, so just... Coming from me, at least, if you ever hear that word being used real harshly in um, a politician's speech, if they're just like, get those thugs, you know, be on the lookout for a little bit of racism. Yes. Um, and we have, well, like, most Democrats in that time were, like, still trying to prove that they weren't soft on crime, so he was going hard in the paint on that. Right. He was really in it to win it. Um, As a senator in Delaware in the 90s, he created the 1994 crime bill signed by Clinton, which was the largest crime control bill in U.S. history at that point, um, which provided thousands of new police officers, billions in funding for prisons, millions in funding for prevention programs, included a severely detrimental mandatory life sentence policy for repeat offenders, which a lot of people attribute to mass incarceration. Mm -hmm. Um, It was intended to reverse decades of rising crime. But, like I said, some people argue that it contributed heavily to mass incarceration. Yeah. Um, 
He bragged after it was passed that, quote, the liberal wing of the Democratic Party was now for 60 new death penalties, 70 enhanced penalties, 100,000 cops, and 125,000 new state prison cells. Um, It imposed tougher prison sentences at a federal level and monetarily incentivized states to do the same, providing funds for states to build more prisons, train more cops, and fund more grant programs to carry out drug-related arrests. Yeah. Um... A lot of this we've already covered, but yeah, like I said, it it contains the Violence Against Women Act, which got a lot of Democrats who wouldn't have ordinarily voted for it to vote for it. Yeah, totally. Um, like Bernie being one of them. He seriously heavily criticized pretty much all the earlier renditions of it and even that one, but he was like, basically like, this bill sucks, but it has the Violence Against Women Act, so go for it. Which, yeah. Um... Many critics also play, argue that this bill played a really big role in the militarization of police. Um, whenever he was act, asked about Biden's support for the law, his campaign pointed towards the Violence Against Women Act, the assault weapons ban, the firearm background check funding, money for police, support for addiction treatment, and a safety valve that lets a limited number of low-level first-time drug offenders avoid the mandatory minimum. And they also pointed to his criticism of the three strike measures which he like said something was like silly or something like Mm -hmm. that he was like that's crazy but still was in there um what else in an interview in 2016 with cnbc biden said that he would change parts of the law but by and large what it really did it restored american cities which crime has dropped since the 90s but research suggests that criminal justice policies played a small partial role at best um if you can Yikes. hear, there's a sad little puppy. Yes, she really wants to be in this room. Pay no mind, she just has opinions on this topic <laughs> that we cannot get to. Okay, um, on the bill's contribution to mass incarceration, he argues that his law could not have caused it because 92 out of every 100 prisoners end up behind bars in a state prison and not a federal one. Um, the bill does have clear intentions to in- increase incarceration, but as Biden will argue, it didn't really succeed at expanding incarceration much directly. Yeah. Um, it attempted to encourage states to adopt harsher criminal justice policies, providing money to build prisons, like we said. Um, but the, I don't know, studies of this have suggested that these provisions didn't really pan out as attended and only a few states actually adopted the harsher policies. Mm-hmm. Um... Let's see. Some criminal justice experts say that it's imperative to actually and truthfully see the effects of Biden's 94 law in order to effectively reverse them. Mm-hmm. His stance is a lot more progressive and reform-oriented now. Um, on his contribution to the tough-on-crime thing, he just says, like, the bottom line is we have a lot to root out, but most of all, the systemic racism that most of us whites don't even like to acknowledge even exists. We don't consciously, consciously acknowledge it, but it's been built into every aspect of our system. So, he released the Biden Plan for Strengthening America's Commitment to Justice, which is really thorough. Um, basically, let's see, like, he wants to reduce the number of people incarcerated while also reducing crime. Um, it calls for an immediate passage of the Safe Justice Act. Uh, it cre- he wants to create a more just society and make our community safer by preventing crime, eliminating racial disparities and sentencing, um, offering second chances more often. Uh, reducing violence in communities and supporting survivors of violence. He wants to, like, basically offer really big grants to get states to compete in shifting from incarceration to education. Okay. He wants to expand federal funding for mental health substance 
um, use disorder services and research. Cool. And get people the help they need with social services, not prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, expand and use the power of the U.S. Justice Department to address systemic misconduct in police departments. Um, establish an independent task force on prosecutorial discretion. Eliminate mandatory minimums and the federal crack and powder cocaine disparity. Decriminalize the use of cannabis and expunge all prior um, convictions and all incarceration for drug use alone. And instead divert individuals to drug courts and treatment. So basically he's just trying to reverse everything that he did. Like his whole plan, beautiful. I agree with most of it, but it doesn't sound like he wrote it and he has defended his crime bill as recently as like 2016 saying that it really helped cities and... So it sounds like some like really smart college student wrote his plan and was like, stop talking about your old crime bill. And he kept being like, well, it helped. And they're like, no, let's do this. And he's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, so like, I love yeah. the plan. I'm for the plan. And if he somehow gets nominated and enacts that plan, I'm about it. But when it comes to character, I don't feel like he's really with it like that. Like maybe yeah. he's like still like, yeah, I'm down for it. But I don't know. He doesn't seem... No, he's had to be, like, repeatedly educated on this issue yes. and has recently And he come still around. says, like, pretty... Even if he's not, like, intentionally being racist, a lot of the language that I hear him use when yes. he talks about this stuff still sounds, like, pretty racially charged. And mm-hmm. that's something that I am pretty hesitant about. That's about, like, totally. all I really have on him. Okay. Um, he has a good plan. Spotty record. Mm-hmm. Do with that what you will. Yes. Vote carefully. Joe Biden. Real quick, though, before we move on to the next candidate, I when you said thugs, it triggered in my mind that I accidentally <laughs> left out a couple of quotes of Donald Trump's, and I just want to make sure I include those real quick so you get a full picture of where he is on this issue. Um, the first is, quote, criminals are often returned to society because of forgiving judges. This has to stop. And he said, quote, the next time you hear someone saying there are too many people in prison, ask them how many thugs they're willing to relocate to their neighborhood. The answer, none. My neighborhood, free yes. prison housing. I said, come on, let's go. I say, I want to hear your expertise. <laughs> I got a door lock. Let's I'm help good. each other. Um, uh, he also said, quote, soft criminal sentences are based on the proposition that criminals are the victims of society. A lot of people in high places really do believe that criminals are victims. The only victim of a violent crime is the person getting shot, stabbed, or raped. The perpetrator is never a victim. He's nothing more than a predator. So, anyway... Predator is another, like, yeah. language that we often use. Especially super predator. Like, <laughs> like towards uh, black yeah, and brown They're usually youth. not talking about white kids when they talk about super predators. Exactly. Yep, okay. So, right. I just want to catch, catch you back up on Donald Trump. Just Sad we had to do two segments on him, but, you know. <laughs> okay, next is Mark Sanford. Okay, that's me too. Um... He's, like, self-described tough on crime to this day. He supports the death penalty for profit prisons, ending uh, parole for repeat violent offenders, truth and sentencing laws, prosecuting minors as adults when accused of violent crimes. But he also supports programs that teach vocational and job-related skills to inmates. Maybe just so that they can do jobs in prison. I was going to say, that's a little weird because everything all sounds like he would be, like, anti-recidivism. Or he would be, like, pro-recidivism. Right. (laughs) You'd think. Um, he also voted against allowing habeas corpus right and death penalty appeals. And then back in 1994, he called for an increase in funding for more police officers and building more prisons. And that's really all on Mark Sanford. Republican well, Mark Sanford. I hate Mark Sanford. Yes. <laughs> He's the worst. You, you go against everything I stand for. Yes. So. Next. It's a no for me. Um, 
John Delaney, is that That's you? That's me. Sweet. Again. I was actually surprised at his uh, plan. It's pretty short, but I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, not a lot in his past on these issues. He did support the First Step Act and calls for more to be done. He has spoken in favor of restitution for those caught up in the system by helping them find job training, housing, and other basic necessities. And he has recently released a plan. In his plan, he points out that b the black incarceration rate is much higher and says the focus should be on rehabilitation and reducing recidivism. His plan includes support for ending private prisons, mandatory minimums, and the death penalty, limiting the use of solitary confinement in the federal criminal justice system, limiting or ending the cash bail system, and encouraging states to do the same. He points out that 23% of the incarcerated population is awaiting trial. It's actually about 20%. Maybe he was looking at old data when he said that, but mm -hmm. that's still like a fifth of the people who are incarcerated have not been convicted of a crime. And he points that out, which is really important, I think. Yeah. Um, he also says uh, he would he supports automatic restoration of voting rights upon release from prison, ban the box policies, and increasing federal funding for state public defenders. He opposes charging juveniles as adults, and on cannabis, he supports removing it as a Schedule One drug, allowing states to regulate the industry, expunging criminal records for minor nonviolent cannabis crimes, and imposing a 25% federal excise tax and dedicate that revenue to state public defenders, medical and uh, public health research, addiction treatment and education, and job training. Awesome. So, yeah, there you go. John Delaney. Next candidate? Next, yeah. Just a couple more to get through. Hold yeah. on, guys. All right, Pete Buttigieg. That's me. Do -do -do. Hold on. Uh, for whatever reason, my phone is harder to navigate than my iPad. <laughs> okay. Um, so starting with his website, he says, freedom means a fair and racially equitable criminal justice system. He wants to reduce the number of people incarcerated nationwide by 50% by double, doubling funding for um, federal grants for states that commit to criminal justice reform. Cool. Eliminate incarceration for drug possession, reduce sentences for other drug offenses, legalize cannabis, and expunge past convictions. Eliminate mandatory minimums, establish an independent, clemen independent clemency commission. Fight the for-profit motive in the uh, criminal justice system. Reduce the criminalization of poverty. So no excessive fines and shit yes. like that. Or like chart crimes that are only being poor. Right. <laughs> um, nominate judges from underrepresented backgrounds, including women, people of color, public defenders, and civil rights attorneys. Cool. Um, he wants. He's proposed the Douglas Plan to dismantle dismantle racist structures and systems combined with an equally intentional investment in, of unprecedented scale in the freedom and self-determination of black Americans. You can read more about that on his website, but it really is like a big investment in like black entrepreneurs and neighborhoods and business growth while also trying to combat racial prejudice within the criminal justice system. Okay, cool. Um, he has a really thorough plan for that on his site. Um, a lot more of the same of what I said, but uh, specific points on how to get there. On the 94 Biden crime bill, he says that the bad caused by it outweighed the good because the bill contributed to mass incarceration in a country that is the most egregiously incarcerated in the world. He said mass incarceration may have felt in a knee-jerk way as a way to be tough on crime in the 90s, but is now one generation later being visited upon um, communities today through the absence of parents. He said, I think that incarceration did so much harm that I would think that even those who were behind the 94 crime bill, or at least many of them, would do it differently if they had the chance to do it again. 
And then um, on allowing prisoners to vote, he said, part of your punishment when you're convicted of a crime and you're incarcerated is that you lose certain rights. You lose your freedom. And I think during that period, it does not make sense to have an exception for the right to vote. I do believe that when you have served your sentence, then part of being restored to society is that you're part of the political life of this nation again. And one of the things that needs to be restored is your right to vote. I think we'd be a better country if everyone did it. Frankly, I think the motivations for preventing that kind of uh, disenfranchisement in some cases have to do with one side of the aisle noticing that the other can politically benefit from that. And that's got some racial layers, too. Okay, I can see that. Um, he loses me on the part where he doesn't let prisoners vote, but... Well, I mean, he's saying that... Like, maybe a lot of Democrats only want to let prisoners vote because they know that they'll vote for Democrats. Yeah, and but it's, it's also, politically like, motivated, I don't support that. But if it's, like, humanity-motivated, then yeah. I do, so. I, I feel know. like it's... Mm, yeah, that's true. But we also don't know that they would vote for Democrats. Yeah, either. but I'm like, I, if they're not, like, forcing them to vote on any condition. They're just giving no. them the right to vote. Whereas, like, a lot more conservative and, like, Republican-leaning people are actually, like trying to block the vote and that is unconstitutional and they're probably doing it because they know that people they wouldn't get the against vote. them so i think it's probably on both sides both politically yeah. and like whatever um motivated. he also has kind of a spotty record on criminal justice and particularly with black voters which i thought i would address mm-hmm. because that comes up time and time again for him one of the sure. main things right now that's going on was that there's a south bend police shooting uh in which uh a black man named Eric Logan was killed, and he hasn't really said too much about that because it's, like, under investigation. He doesn't want to say one side or the other. Yeah, but yeah. that has still been used to criticize him because it's under his, like, watch that right, this happened. Right, right. Then um, there's another instance where, uh, when, in 2012, he was sworn into office when Daryl Boykins, uh, South Bend's first black police chief was in charge of the department Mm -hmm. and Boykins found out that officers in the department complained to uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office for Northern, or sorry, Pete found out that officers had complained saying that Boykins had illegally recorded their phone calls and threatened to use the tapes against them. Mm -hmm. Um, Like allegedly senior white officers were using really racist language on the tapes, including about Mr. Boykins himself. Right. Uh, Pete Buttigieg says that he was pressured by federal prosecutors to fire Mr. Boykins or else they would charge him with violating the Federal Wiretap Act. So that's why he says he fired him, so that he wouldn't get charged with federal wiretapping. Yeah, and you might remember that we've talked about this before on our introduction episode with his controversies too, but a little recap. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he asked for his resignation in March and Boykins submitted it and then took it back and then Buttigieg demoted him from chief to captain and then he later, Boykins later retired. Buttigieg demoted him. I don't know if I said that right. Yes. Okay. Um, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Indiana ended up not bringing charges against Boykins, and no taken, no action was taken against the officer. But Boykins sued the city for racial discrimination over being fired and won fifty thousand dollars. Hmm. Buttigieg says in that in his memoir that that case particularly affected his relationship with the black community in particular, particular, um, for years to come. And critics of the mayor said that he's been way too willing to settle a lot of lawsuits over the police tapes to go away, ultimately costing the city close to $2 million. So that's, okay. that's what I've got on Pete. All right. Who's next? Let's do this little thing. Bill Weld. That's me. Um, his opinion has like kind of shifted with public opinion. So when it was tough on crime, he was tough on crime. Mm-hmm. He was famously quoted for saying... 
um, that if elected when he was running for governor of Massachusetts, uh, he would, quote, reintroduce prisoners to the joys of breaking rocks. What, a, uh, what, what does that mean? Like, you know, the old days where they're just like, working on the chain oh, gang. My. Like, old-fashioned prisoner labor. Haha. <laughs> Um, he pushed for mandatory minimums, but has since had a change of heart. He said, you'll notice that in Massachusetts, we've stopped sending drug offenders into incarceration. We send them somewhere else. That sounds a little ominous. (laughs) And I'm totally behind that. And you would not have gotten that out of my mouth in the late eighties. We Uh, send them to the moon. (laughs) Yeah. Now he just kind of talks about a desire for rehabilitation over punishment, especially for drug crimes, but that's about it. It's not like a big old talk for him. All right. Who was that again? Uh, that was Bill Weld. Bill Weld. And cool. then this is Joe Sestat. Cool. Oh, is that, I, that's you. I don't think it? I have any more. I think I've done all mine. Oh, yeah, that is me. I was like, I don't remember him. Okay, um, he wants to pursue criminal justice reform to address injustices in policing, the force in prisons. Duh, don't we all? Except for what's-his-face, Mark Sanford. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wants to reinstate and expand voting rights for felons. He wants to address the crisis of homelessness and the lack of affordable housing. He wants to decriminalize cannabis and address... Drug abuse with better addiction treatment and not more pro- prosecution and incarceration. He wants to expand services for reentry into society for offenders. Um, he has denounced redlining. He's denounced the school to prison pipeline, the lack of police oversight, and systemic closure of opportunities for Black people. And he wants to increase the penalties for hate crimes. That's all. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, and then Andrew Yang. He has a his. His is uh, like more, if you look on his website, it's a bunch of plans kind of intermingled. That's where it can get with like his universal basic income. He's like, here's all the things this will take care of. So I kind of right. had to like cherry pick what was relevant to mass incarceration. Right. But yeah, so of course he says the freedom dividend would help in many ways. Um, he says that the restoration of voting rights to Americans that have paid their debt to society is essential. He wants to decriminalize decriminalize opioids and uh, help. Hold on, I, there's a typo. <laughs> I'm trying to realize what I was trying to say. That we should punish the individuals behind pharmaceutical companies and not the ones who fell prey to addiction, because that was the whole point. And yeah. They did what people were trying to get them to do. Exactly. And then we throw them in jail. Yeah. Um, he wants to decrease pre-trial cash bail. He wants to reduce mass incarceration by ending mandatory minimums. He's denounced the tough on crime mentality. He wants to focus on results and get a lower recidivism rate. Um, he wants to fund programs targeted at reducing recidivism and increasing reintegration, aka reentry. Mm-hmm. He wants to enhance accessibility of mental health resources. Provide de-escalation training and mental health professionals to law enforcement to prevent confrontations from turning lethal when they otherwise wouldn't have been. Okay. And he wants to legalize cannabis and do a mass pardon for those imprisoned. And he wants body cams on every cop. All right. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Andrew Yang. And that's everyone? Uh, that is everyone. Um, obviously, we kind of just talked about the big line items and there's a lot more on that. Yeah. So feel free to do your own research and let us know what we should have included. Um, However, if you do not want to wait until November 2020 to, or I guess, you know, whenever your primary is, in order to vote on these issues, instead you can do some things now. And I wanted to share some of those resources really quickly before we let you go. I sound like I'm a teacher or something. Before I let you leave, before the bell. Hold on, just five more minutes. Don't pack up your bags. I can hear zippers. (laughs) Okay, first you should get educated. Uh, There are some 
sites that you could visit for some information. These are some of the more progressive sites, but the Prison Policy Initiative, they're really cool. They released this uh, big old chart. It's called the Whole Pie, and it shows you um, like all of the entire incarcerated population and like what types of crime they're incarcerated for and if they're being held in local jails versus prisons and all of that stuff. So it's, it's like a really great visual to be able to understand like the whole system, the whole thing. Um, the Sentencing Project, Equal Justice Initiative, and Vera Institute for Justice are, always, are also really good resources that you could check out. Um, and if you want kind of a more conservative approach to criminal justice reform, there's a, uh, an organization called Right on Crime. And they, um, a lot of like their policies, like even ultra progressives can agree with because they're just about like reducing recidivism because it's expensive for people to be in prison. Um, I will obviously link all of those in the description, but do you have any, like, books or anything that people should read? Uh, the New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander kind of walks you through the, like, anywhere from, like, stop and frisk to the arrest to the court to the prison system. So that one yeah. was really interesting to actually see, like, the levels at which the system operates. Yeah. Um, it's a really good walkthrough, but it's a kind of tough read. Um, and then, like, just organizations i really like the innocence project the work they do mm -hmm. and then uh the marshall project i believe is what it's work. called is something i used to do most of the research for this episode okay so. word um you should also talk about it to the people around you your friends your family your co-workers even um but especially to your representatives if you don't agree with a lot of these policies that are currently in place call the people who represent you and tell them so because yeah. you are their constituent and they are required to respond to that and they probably will not but <laughs> you like public pressure really does work so yeah. we gotta keep doing that i feel like we underestimate on. or we overestimate how many people are like calling in and you think that your voice won't do anything but yes. it will there's like not a lot of people who do that so yeah. it is super important um also there's a few organizations that you could donate to the first is a center for employment opportunities or ceo they help people with criminal records get jobs super important uh, the ACLU, they have a program called the Criminal Law Reform Project, which aims to change the all of the discriminatory laws. And if you want to donate to somebody a little bit more bipartisan than the ACLU, I recommend checking out the Coalition for Public Safety. They bring progressives and conservatives together to find consensus and push for comprehensive reform that can kind of please everybody. So, Sweet. Um, and then some ways to get involved. I really, I guess, only have one. I mean, all of those organizations that I've already mentioned, they have their own different ways that you can get involved with them. But additionally, uh, you can go, if you want to just directly get involved with an actual human being, person who is incarcerated, you can go to writeaprisoner.com and that connects you with incarcerated people and they facilitate pen pal relationships. So you can like browse profiles and choose for yourself who you'd like to reach out to and then you guys can start talking and you can try to help that person feel a little bit less isolated and like cared about yeah. and stuff like that so um, that's a really cool thing that you can do I wrote my first prisoner a couple of weeks ago haven't heard back I'm like a little bit bitter but it's okay <laughs> um I found somebody who was also a part of the LGBTQ community and like is being housed in Texas around my age. And so I felt like we had some similarities that I could go off of and was like interested to hear about this person's story and just ask questions. And I may never hear back, but you know, 
at least they yeah. got something from somebody and somebody that says, hey, I, I care about you and I'm thinking about you from out here. That can be really impactful in somebody's life and something that you can do in just a few minutes right now if you want to. So uh, check that out. If, do you have any other ideas about how people can get involved um, and do something? I do not, but I was going to say I really liked Write, on, <laughs> uh, write a Prisoner because I remember last year when there was the prison strike, there mm-hmm. was a lot of prisoners facing retaliation for the actions they were doing to go on strike and yeah. they had... Write a prisoner had those uh, prisoners like at the top of their website and was like, these that's people cool. are in trouble. Send them some nice letters. Oh, nice. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So I definitely recommend checking that out. It, at the very least, you can go in there and like look and see that they, these are like actual people that have interests and hobbies and like plans for the rest of their yes. life. And... Put a face to like yeah. the suffering. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then our other typical resources, which I will uh, link in the description as well, if you want to learn things on the issues, Countable app are good places to learn stuff. Uh, vote.gov to get registered to vote if you are not already. I assume everybody that's listening to this is already registered to vote. But it if better not, be. <laughs> you better fucking go do that right now. Um, Headcount is a cool organization uh, that you can go to like music shows and stuff like that and register people to vote there. So it's like a good way to reach young people and you get to go kind of like hear from a distance some of your favorite bands. So that's cool. cool. Um, And then there's also this, uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before or not, but a Instagram account called Days to Vote. It's like at Days to Vote. And they have these really helpful little infographics that can keep you up to date on what's going on. And they're pretty quick and they post every day and they're really informative and like short and helpful. And clear. Yes. I really recommend checking them out. Um, and guys, local elections are important too. And I don't, if you're in Texas, as I know a lot of our listeners are, um, there is a special election on November 5th and early voting is open right now. Uh, it's a bunch of, uh, like some local offices and some statewide ballot initiatives. So definitely make sure you're getting educated and going to vote for that. Uh, you can go to, I believe it's uh, vote411.org. That's what it is. And they will give you like a sample ballot. And there's also some like videos on there where they explain like the pros and cons of like each of the amendments that are being proposed and stuff like that to help you decide how you want to vote. But yeah, like go vote fucking right now if you're in Texas because there's a thing and there's lots of other states have voting right now too. So make sure you're not just voting in primaries and general elections and midterms and stuff like that. There's also like lots of other different smaller elections throughout the year that are equally as important. Um... Let's see. Oh, next episode on climate change. Really yes. quick, we're going to do a draft pick and then we will uh, let you go. I, I still hear some of your bags rustling. Like, just hold on for a Stop moment. Passing. <laughs> okay. Uh, Let's see. Climate well, change. You want to go first? Sure. I will do Bill Weld. Bill, where is he? <laughs> Get a point out of it because they're not in alphabetical. Okay. Uh, I'll take Tulsi. Okay. I'll take Marianne Williamson. Okay, um, Wayne Messam. Uh, let's do... Hmm. Donald Trump. <laughs> okay. Easy. Uh, Steve Bullock. Uh, let's do... Joe Walsh. Oh. Uh, Mark Sanford. Kamala Harris. Spot him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do Joe Biden. Okay, I'm gonna do... Hmm... Cory Booker. <laughs> Where's he at? Right there. Uh, Andrew Yang for me. To Julian Castro. Okay. Um, Tom Steyer for me. Joe Stack for me. Okay. Uh, John Delaney for me. I'll do Beto. 
Okay, I'm gonna do Michael Bennett. All right, I'll do Bernie Sanders. Okay, I'll take Elizabeth Warren then. And I'll take Amy Klobuchar. All right, and that leaves me with Pete Buttigieg. Boom. So we're gonna start working on climate change. We're also working on several other episodes like the LGBT town hall recap, or I think it was called the Equal Equality Town Hall, yeah. um, as well as the October debate. Um, I know it takes a while for us to get that stuff out, but we do a lot of like fact checking and reorganization and stuff like that. So um, hopefully it'll be valuable and it'll, it'll still be out before you have to vote. So you have plenty of time. Yeah, you can catch up. <laughs> yes. Um, and we're also working on some stuff about fake news, all the serious shit that's going on. Um, what like yeah. more impeachment inquiry that's like a big thing happening right now so uh we got out, information we coming. got some stuff in the works um so yeah we will be back very soon um as always you can find us on social media at fucking vote pls or the shortened version for please um please share with your friends or other people who might find this podcast valuable we are still trying to grow and we really appreciate all of your efforts to help us in that effort and yes. uh, if you feel so inclined, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Beautiful little five stars would be greatly appreciated. Just really um, make me feel whole, help yes. me sleep at night. Yes. Uh, that's really all, but most importantly, please fucking vote. vote.